0: Please take your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 24. The passage is printed for you there in the bulletin if you need it. This is God's Word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb... But has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. In returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is God's word, the grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our God shall endure Forever and ever. How do you greet people? What is the normal thing that comes out of your mouth when you see somebody? You know, there's all kinds of greetings. Um, Hey, how you doing? What's up? What's going on? Hello? That's another one. That'll work every time. That's probably a good way to do it. Um, You know, in the South, we have, just like other places, we have... Um, what I call automatic response greetings. Do you know what that is? And when you say this greeting, um, the person that hears it echoes it back to you, and somehow the room or the the area that you're in is filled with joy and hope. Um, you know, for example, roll tide, right, 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 roll tide, or a war eagle, right, or my favorite, of course. How about them dogs? Okay. Now that doesn't go over very well, y'all did. Y'all kind of you heard some sighs about those first two, but um, uh, you know this is like fighting words to some of y'all. Um, so we got to work on this. You know, it's taken me twenty years to you know be a peacemaker between you. But uh, but you know I, I don't hear many "How about them dogs?" in in um, Anderson and Oxford, Alabama, unless I make the the exchange. You know, a lot of people come over here and buy groceries and stuff because the the tax rate and so forth. But and I've leaned out of my car. Because I don't get the opportunity very often. I'm leaned out way out while I'm driving and trying to get somebody's attention, you know, in the line at Chick-fil-A or whatever. And and they're looking at me like, you know, this is road rage. I'm going to kill you. And what are you doing? And when I say, how about them dogs? I see their tag, right? They go immediately. It's like they're full of joy and happy. How about them dogs, right? So that's a responsive, automatic response greeting. And you know um, what those things are like if you're a football fan here in the South. But you also know, and you've already done it this morning, Grant, I greeted you at the end of the call to worship. You know the greatest response greeting in history that brings, should bring, the greatest joy and the hope in your life. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The echo response, right? It should bring joy and hope in your life. You know, the resurrection truly is the most important event in history, And I'm going to say this several times as we go through this, but I want to remind you that you cannot ever separate the cross of Christ from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those events are like two sides of the same coin. They go together. But of course, this is Resurrection Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, and we're speaking about the focus is on the resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ fills the world and should fill your, your life and your heart with joy and hope because there 's nothing like the cross and the resurrection this morning we 're talking about three things, two points with three um, three Letters. The three U's of the resurrection. I don't usually do the, the acrostics, but this kind of worked out good today. So three. the first two, we got the first um, two U's that go together, and then we have the third U. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. You're going to have to listen um, to figure out what it is. But first of all, let's just dive into this. First of all, the resurrection, um, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it didn't take very long if you're taking notes. The resurrection was something that was unexpected, and it was unbelievable. Unexpected and unbelievable. And when you read all the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, whichever you are reading, they all have this one thing in common. The resurrection was unexpected and the resurrection was unbelievable. Jesus' followers struggled believing what had happened. For example, in this passage in Luke, you have these faithful women. These are some of Jesus' dearest friends, and they respect and love the Lord deeply. And out of respect to Him, they go to the tomb, which was a common thing in those days, to anoint His body. And so they get their ducks in a row. And uh, just like um, our women in our church, whenever they're ministering to somebody, it's just amazing how they just go into this mode of getting their ducks in, in a row, and they can organize all the meals and everything. It's just, you know, they have those gifts. I'm not saying guys don't have those gifts, but women especially do that well. But these these women get their uh, act together, so to speak. They get the spices in order, and they get up very early, and they go to the graveyard to carry out that task of honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. But when they get there, and, you know, they're, they're walking um, in sadness and in silence through the graveyard, and they realize, oh my goodness, somebody has already... Moved this stone that's closing up the door, if you would, to the tomb. That shocks them. So they they stoop down. They look inside. There's no body. There's nothing to anoint with all these spices. Nothing but bandages and burial clothes. So all that they had done, wanted to do, to uh, fill, fulfill their mission. Uh, it's like, well, it's in the wind now. Right? Where's his body? Where have they taken him? And so they stand there in silence. And then you have two people who they think are men. Uh, different accounts have different um, ideas of different women uh, as they give their accounts to the rest of the apostles that wrote the New Testament. They speak. We have all kinds of information, different perspectives, and so forth. But these men appear and they speak these kind words to these women. And they ask them a question Who do you seek? Is it Jesus? He's not here. He's not here. He is risen. And then they remind these women, these faithful friends of Christ who, who love to listen to Him and His teaching and so forth, that of the words that He had said many times before the cross, that not only would He suffer and be killed, but on the third day He would rise from the dead. Wow. And you know, when you think about it, how could you forget that? How could you forget that? Well, that's just who we are. We can be so faithless, as, as, even as Christians, right? Thank goodness, when we are faith, faithless, He is faithful. <laughs> These women, these angels tell them, we learned that they are angels. They say that they remind them of the words of Christ, that He would be raised. But none of the women were thinking this way. These were the last things in their minds. Boy, it's raining hard out there. I just got a weather report here in case you want to stop for a commercial break here. Um, you get those warnings. So, But they, they, none of them, had these things had not entered into their minds. But But then they look at each other and they would say well yeah he did say that and if in everything for three years that Jesus said had always been true so this must be true the resurrection must be true but they had not expected the resurrection but now they believed the unbelievable and so they hurry back home and they tell the apostles he's risen he's risen and when they get back to the 11 apostles, guess what? <laughs> None of these men believed their message. It was, it's too unbelievable. It's too, it's too incredible. Too much to believe. it, and, and you have to remember, these guys were fishermen. They're tax collectors. They're businessmen. They're people who slugged it out every day of their life. In that hard system of the Roman Empire, um, these are all Jewish men. Uh, but they, they made it, and uh, they had a lot of horse sense. But they weren't the kind of men that would just be hoodwinked into believing anything. And so just like these dear women, they did not expect Jesus to rise. And in their pride, they surely were not going to believe a bunch of women. That may sound like an insult. Well, it it is an insult, ladies. Because in those days, a woman's testimony in court... Was considered shaky at best. That was the, that was the culture, and so nobody expected the resurrection. It was unexpected. It was unbelievable. But as I think about this, um, their unbelief, and as you think about this, I hope you think the same way. Let me let me tell you how I'm thinking. Um, all this disbelief is, is oddly encouraging. Why is that? We should be thankful that, that these folks were, the disciples, and these women were, especially the disciples, were so, so skeptical. And, and here's why. You know, the resurrection is a great miracle. It's a great miracle, but it's unbelievable, right? And it's normal to doubt something of this magnitude. That is a normal response. And, but here's the what I want you to hear. For the disciples, the New Testament writers, to include their doubt and their struggle with faith just shows how honest they were when they wrote the new testament they tell the story like it is and their story it just shows how reliable their story is and luke the writer of the book you know he knew uh, something very important about christianity what was it he knew that doubt is a part of the journey to believe that never changes. We face things all the time that are inexplicable and we just don't know how we're going to get out of that situation and so forth, but doubt is part of the journey. To belief. And that's why Luke starts all his next book, the book of Acts. You know, this is the book of Luke. He wrote Luke and Acts. They really go together. They're really like two sides of the same coin. But this is what he says uh, about Jesus and the apostles. He says this. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus wanted them to be sure about his identity. And he was, he was different, it's the same body raised from the dead, but it's, he is raised in a glorious body that is a glorious thing to think about. But he wanted to make sure they knew this, this is me. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not some kind of ghost. Whatever you think I am, this is me. And so Jesus met with his friends and he was very patient with them. He took his time with them, took 40 days. You know, he teaches them about how he is, the Old Testament is, this is not a sermon about that, but he teaches them all of this stuff about how the whole story of the Old Testament is really about him. But he takes his time with them, he overcomes all their doubts. That's who Jesus Christ is. And that's good news for you and me and in our lives today. Because when you struggle with unbelief, when I struggle with unbelief, when I don't expect God to work, when I, I don't believe He still forgives my sins, you know those things that, that Grant talked about last week in that wonderful sermon of Psalm 51? Go listen to that. If you're discouraged about your own sin. But when we don't believe God is still patient with us. He still forgives us. We we just back ourselves into a corner. But we have to remember that Jesus still forgives us. His mercies are new every day. He's patient with us too. And Jesus reminds us of the most convincing proof that you and I need for As people who struggle with sin and doubt, Jesus reminds us over and over again that He loved us and gave Himself for us. Those are the two greatest verbs in the New Testament. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus reminds us of that truth of those two verbs all the time, over and over again. That he loves us and gave himself for us. But he also reminds us that he was raised on the third day. And so Christianity and all that it claims is real. Especially the fact that Jesus Christ loves us and gave gave himself for us. And the good news is that all of these men, all of these skeptics, all these crusty business guys who slugged it out in life every day, finally, all of these guys believed in who Jesus really is. He is the Son of God. He's God Himself who became man. And as a man, He was raised bodily from the grave because death could not hold Him. And many, 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 many people saw the resurrected Christ. Go look at the story in the New Testament. Luke tells us about many, many eyewitnesses that he had interviewed who were still alive when he wrote this book. As you read that um, thing in the, the quote at the beginning of the bulletin by Tim Keller, there's plenty of people you could go ask, hey, tell me the story. Tell me about seeing Jesus. And there was. Tons of people who still were still alive as he wrote Luke and Acts. Go to them and ask these people about seeing Jesus. Check out the evidence. And again, many people saw the resurrected Jesus. Many eyewitnesses to that fact. But the main reason people believed in this miracle, if you think about it, was because Jesus in his patience led them to faith. just like what we just talked about as Lila has come to this table. Jesus has led her to faith. The Holy Spirit has taught her the gospel. We've helped but he is the one who helps us to believe the unbelievable. So if you're a skeptic today, it's possible that you're here on Easter Sunday and you are a skeptic. I was a skeptic for many years. I don't mind telling you that. Really? Really? talking snake in the Bible really all the amazing things really nah they go for it but the Holy Spirit through the word of God through the instruction teaching of other men and women just friends and as Christians they helped me understand the truth of who Jesus is if you don't believe in Jesus Christ ask him to help you see his great love for you just ask him that's a great prayer. So, the resurrection was something that was unexpected and it was unbelievable. But secondly, there's your two U's. First two U's, unexpected, unbelievable. But uh, secondly, the resurrection was also something very unique. And this is where it breaks down. You got unexpected, unbelievable, unique. They don't, you know, be nice if they all sound alike. But I guess you could say unaccute, unexpected, unbelievable, unacue. That wouldn't be the right uh, good grammar, English uh, speaking or whatever. But, no, it's unique, right? The resurrection only happened once. There's never been anything like it in the history of the world. And yes, there were other resurrections in the Bible. You have the example of Jesus raising Lazarus. Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. Um, in the Old Testament, The prophets, some of the prophets raised people from the dead. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unique. His bodily resurrection is different. And why is that? Well, think about it this way. Who is Jesus? Who is he? The Son of God. Exactly. Thanks for you you're right here on you're right on point, buddy. He's the Son of God. And there's nothing like his birth in all of history, is there? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In the womb of the Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. If you think the resurrection is too miraculous to believe, try that one. Right. Think about the miracles. Think of all the miracles. You go through the gospel accounts and you see one amazing thing after another. And there has been nothing like the miracles of Christ in all of history. They are unique. And so it's the same with his resurrection the same with his death. We shouldn't expect any different. And again, let me remind you as we finish this up today, as we go into this last point, the resurrection of Christ and the death of Christ go together. You can't drive a wedge between those two events. They they are inseparable. And you can't compare anything else to those events. Because Jesus is a very unique person. And here's what I want you to see. He's a unique person because He is. Why is He a unique person? It's because He is both God and man. Okay. He's a divine person. He's one person with two natures. He's the second person of the Trinity. Who is God? God is one God in three persons. And when Jesus met with his apostles for that time uh, and, and the disciples, uh, not just the apostles for a period of over 40 days and appeared to all these people, um, he probably, I'm not, I'm, this is for sure, he, we don't have a lot of information about that, but he started helping them to understand the Trinity, who God is. And you can't understand the Trinity, You can't explain the Trinity. I can't explain the Trinity. I don't understand it. But I do know some things about God. We have His Word. The the Word of God written by the apostles who learned from the God-man Himself, Jesus Christ. We have the Word of God. We can know lots of things about God. And one thing the Scripture is very clear about is that God is one God in three persons. And that is a great mystery. It's pretty unique. There's nothing like our God. And it would be especially unique and startling to Jewish men who grew up their whole lives saying the Shema, you remember the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And there's not a contradiction there. I don't want to go into all the stuff I've been taught and Graham's been taught about the Hebrew, but it just simply means God is a unity. That's what it means. It doesn't mean He's just one. It it doesn't deny the Trinity in the Old Testament. But this would have come to a great shock to these men. And there's three things that really convince me of the reliability of the Word of God and the truthfulness of Christianity. And the resurrection, you know what they are? The eyewitness accounts, you can't deny that. They're they're everywhere. Go look at the New Testament. Secondly, and you know this, the changed lives of the apostles, all of these men died for what they believed. These crusty old businessmen who were no-nonsense people, they died for their faith, they died for the belief of who Jesus was and is. But what convinces me the most about... The reliability of the scriptures is that these Jewish men were convinced that Jesus Christ was God. Men don't go around claiming that they're God. Do they? Have you heard anybody say that around here on the news? Maybe some really weird person, but it's not very common. But these men believed that Jesus Christ he is God. He's the Son of God. He's the second person within the Holy Trinity. That's who Jesus is. He's both God and man. And he claimed, he claimed to be both God and man. And so his death and his resurrection are both very unique. And both are very mysterious. And, they, and again, I'm going to remind you, they go together. So let's talk specifically, how exactly is the death of Jesus Christ unique? How is the resurrection of Jesus Christ unique? Well, you know, people die all the time. They die all the time. We've had a lot of death in our circles over since the beginning of this year. And it's backed off. Thank the Lord, right? It's, it's horrible. And Jesus died on a cross which was a common death in the Roman Empire. You know, thousands of people were crucified, not just Jewish people, just it was, a, it was an execution, right? So why is the death of Jesus Christ so unique? What, what's, what is it about his death that is so mysterious that you're, you're going to die, I'm going to die, unless the Lord comes again. But what makes his death so unique and important? And why is the resurrection so unique and so important? Well, I've told this story. Most of you have not heard this story, but it's one—it's unforgettable. That's why I tell it whenever I get a chance, um, and I, I think you will appreciate it. Um, but my teacher, my favorite teacher in seminary, Knox Chamlin, um, told the story of a neighbor of his in Jackson, Mississippi, who died while saving his son from drowning. He drowned while saving his own son. And that brought great comfort to his family that their son was still there. And their this husband, this father was a hero. But it, it was obviously a great tragedy in their lives. You know, we talk about heroes all the time. And, you know, that's one of those words that... that <laughs> I'm not as sensitive about, I'm really not sensitive about the word adoption. But, you know, when you say, I'm going to adopt a road, I'm going to adopt a cat, I'm going to adopt a dog, or whatever. You aren't adopting that dog. You're not adopting. When you adopt a person, they, they get everything this, this year is when you die, right? and some people have left everything they have to a cat and so forth, right? Uh, but uh, that's, that's one of those strange words. But hero... That, that word, you know, we throw that word around with sports people. It, it's, we need to know, what is a hero? What, what is a true hero? Well, defining a hero is difficult, but without a doubt, the most heroic act of all is laying down your life for someone else. And Jesus Christ himself said that. He said, there is no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Wow, I love it. We're not called servants. He calls us His friends. His brothers and sisters in Christ. In Him. Right? And so the greatest heroes give their lives for others. They they take their place. My life for yours. So you don't have to die. And here's something else that all true heroes have in common. All true heroes, they die for sinners. Did you know that? Have you ever realized that? Have you ever thought about that? All heroes die for sinners. And this father died for his son who was a sinner. Just like this man was. And here is where the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so unique. Jesus' death is unique because He doesn't just die for sinners, He does. But Jesus dies for our sins. No one can do that except the Son of God. This one person with two natures, both God and man. Jesus dies for our sins. The cross is an ugly thing. But what a blessing. What a wonderful truth that Jesus has died for our sins. Sins are forgiven if you believe in Jesus Christ. The cross is unique. The resurrection is also unique because Jesus was raised in an immortal body. A glorious body. A human body made immortal. same body that was in the tomb came out. It was transformed metamorphosis like the caterpillar stuff right that's the word paul uses uh, in to describe the change in the body of jesus christ it's the same substance from the caterpillar to the moth it's the same dna and all that stuff but it's transformed and now you got a flying caterpillar right and jesus is raised in this beautiful glorious body but the uh, resurrection is also unique in that it proves that everything that Jesus said is true. That he did lay down his life for his friends. That he did give himself for our sins. Because he loves us. He loved us and gave himself for us. He said that. And his being raised from the dead validated everything that he ever said. Everything. Everything. His resurrection proves that your sins are forgiven. And it proves that everything else He said, especially that we are His friends and that He loves us, all of those things are absolutely true. And the uniqueness of the cross and the uniqueness of the resurrection is so important. It's so important. You know, the first things people say when they come on the scene in a play or in a movie or whatever in a story are very, very important things to pay attention to, the introduction and so forth. And the uniqueness of the cross and the resurrection are so important. And when Paul, the apostle, writes his first letter, Fifteen years after the resurrection, to a group, a church um, in Galatia that he had planted, his very first letter that we have, in the very first sentences of that letter, he immediately talks about both the resurrection and the cross. Listen to what he says. First thing out of his mouth, Paul, an apostle, said, "Not from men, but by, not men, not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father." been sent by God. I've been sent by Jesus who raised him from the dead. There you go. First sentence. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us From this present evil age. So, the cross, the resurrection, they go together. They're two sides of the same coin. One is meaningless without the other. They are joined together forever. They form one unique event, and that event is the event of your salvation. You have been rescued from sin and death. And because of this unique event called your salvation, your sins are forgiven. And when Jesus comes again, this unique person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has all power in heaven and on earth, He's going to transform your lowly body and my lowly body, if it's in the grave or wherever it is. I wish He'd come on back so we wouldn't experience it like this, but we will all be transformed. But He will transform these lowly bodies to be like His glorious body. He will raise you and me to an incorruptible Existence in a new heaven and a new earth. No more sickness. No more pain. No more death. No more sinning. No, no more teaching someone about the gospel so that they can come to the Lord's table. Because we will all know the Lord. In an incorruptible world. Because of the resurrection, the unique resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I will be raised to be just like Jesus and we will reflect God's glory in the world like we're supposed to. We will live forever with God and one another. We will love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and our neighbors, as ourself. We will live with our God in that glorious age to come. And as you come to this table on this Easter Sunday, I want you to ask Jesus to fill you with hope as you think on this unique death and His unique resurrection. That is our greatest hope. And because of that great hope, I hope you're awake at this point. (laughs) Bless one another with the greatest responsive greeting in history. Take a deep breath. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the great promises that are all yes and amen in Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you have fulfilled the law of God, that you've loved God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbors yourself. And we thank you, Holy Spirit for your patience with us as you continually remind us of the gospel. And as we come to this table, we pray that you would remind us of the great love of God, the one who sent his Son so that we may, and gave his Son, because he loves us so that we may have eternal life in a new heaven and a new earth and live forever in the glorious age to come. We pray this in your name. Amen. about to take the lord's supper together it's a great privilege to um, serve it to you with our elders in the back and if you were if you have not been here before this is our custom um generally the, the folks up here in the front section um have these these barriers between <laughs> you and the rest of the folks um, they will come this way come around this way and alicia is going to be our our lead off man she's going to come up here so just follow her and the rest of you follow that way and to put folks in the back Um, Please attend to the uh, elders in the back of the room, right? Thank you very much. This is the Lord's table, and He invites His people to this table. And as we were talking about with Lila a few minutes ago, uh, you must believe the promises of God to come to this table. That's why. That's what we call a communing member, a person who believes the promises of God, who believes the gospel. And that gospel is summed up for us in the Apostles' Creed. And I would like for you um, to listen to this very quickly. Do you remember the the parable of the wedding feast? Maybe you don't. I'll tell you very quickly. There was a a wedding feast and uh, the king invites all these folks to come and... And everybody's in there celebrating, eating and so forth. And he's walking around working the room and he realizes there's this guy that doesn't need to be there. Um, and he's not dressed like the rest of the people they, who are in wedding clothes. And we don't all, you know, we're, we're dressed up. This is Easter Sunday. We're all dressed up today, right? So clothes are an important part of celebrations. But he throws this guy out of the feast because he doesn't have wedding clothes on. It sounds really harsh. But apparently he could have gotten some clothes if he won. All he had to do was take them. A free gift. You know, let me have the wedding clothes so I can go in. Right? And the only admission requirement to come to the Lord's table is for you to have on wedding clothes. right? The right wedding clothes. What does that mean? That you believe the gospel. The gospel figuratively, metaphorically. Wearing, wearing the gospel in your heart shows that you are God's child and he invites you to this supper. And again, that what we believe in the gospel is summed up in the Apostles' Creed. And so, if, you don't, if you're a skeptic, if you don't believe what's in this creed, you don't have to say it, but I sure would love to sit and talk to you about it if you don't believe what's in it. And Grant would like to talk to you, some of your friends that you're here with, would love to talk to you about the content of our faith. Because it is a faith that is true. Because it is a faith that comes from the living Savior. And I would like for you, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, please stand with me and confess your faith and then we will take the supper together. Please stand. Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.